Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I want to share a good word from the Lord with you this morning. My message is titled Hope Beyond Hope. Hope Beyond Hope. I want to begin with a little story that I found several years ago and I've kept it. One winter's night in 1935, it was told Fiorello LaGuardia, the irrepressible mayor of New York, now you know why the airport's named, showed up at a night court in the poorest ward of the city. He dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench. That night, a tattered old woman charged with stealing a loaf of bread was brought before him. She defended herself by saying, my daughter's husband has deserted her. She is sick and her children are starving. The shopkeeper refused to drop the charges, saying, it's a bad neighborhood, your honor, and she's got to be punished to teach other people a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the old woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. However, even while pronouncing sentence, LaGuardia reached into his pocket, took out a ten dollar bill and threw it into his hat with these famous words. Here's the ten dollar fine which I now remit, and furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The following day, a New York newspaper reported 4750 was turned over to a bewildered old grandmother who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. Making forced donations were a red-faced storekeeper, 70 petty criminals, and a few New York policemen. Now with this illustration in mind, I wonder if one day before God we stand and he asks us as individuals about the spiritual condition of America. Noting, of course, the wickedness and spiritual barrenness of our country. Amidst excuses such as, we tried. What could we do? you suppose that God might look at us and state plainly, you could have prayed. And we might reply to that, but, but your word prophesied that these days would come. I strongly suggest that he might also reply to that, you could have prayed. To prove my point, Turn with me to Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'll read through verse 9 and then skip to verse 16. 
So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far. Wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you, O Lord, we and our kings, princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. Now skipping to verse 16. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for, our, for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O oh my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. That's a very impassioned prayer, and I do not typically read that much scripture, but I wanted you to get the total context, so I felt it was necessary that you are able to hear the whole context, even though I left out uh, seven verses. Daniel prays, I want you to hear this, Daniel prays with his heart, not his eyes. He prays with his heart, not his eyes. Let me give you the setting. You need to have some, again, more context to understand the, the uh, prayer that Daniel gives us in this moment. Daniel has been captive since the age of 7 to 12 years old. We don't have a perfectly accurate age on him, but he's between the ages of 7 and 12. He was actually taken in the captivity. 
And though he rose, jumping ahead many years now, he rose to considerable power, especially because of the lion's den miracle. This is that Daniel. So you're perhaps familiar with the lion's den miracle. And, and so he rose to some prominence, position, if you will. He no longer had clout to move the current king, however, because the current king wasn't the king whenever the lion's den event happened. I shouldn't say event. It was a miracle. So Jerusalem has been taken captive nearly 70 years earlier and was now in total ruins. I want you to get this picture in mind. Uh, you got to think about this for a moment. Daniel was somewhere between 7 and 12 years old. So we can remember what Jerusalem was when he left. He's gotten word. Been uninhabited, essentially, for all of that time. And you know, even just a, a house somewhere near you, if you've ever grown up and you've lived in a place, just give it four or five years and that house looks horrible because of neglect. So think about this, for near 70 years, the whole city is in a state of neglect and it's worn and tattered and messed up. And the current king has no sympathy towards the Jews. Most outward signs made the situation look bleak. I want you to hear that this morning. Pay attention to my words, please. This is the situation into which Daniel prayed. This is the situation into which Daniel prayed. Get a picture in your mind. He's been a captive. He's an old man now. I mean a very old man now. And he can remember what Jerusalem used to be like. In fact, he can remember what freedom felt like. And even though he's in the best place you could probably be if you're captive, he's in the palace, he's working in the palace, he has some prominence, still he's a captive. This is the situation into which Daniel prayed. I want to pray right now. I thank you, Father, that we stand in your presence, that your word is alive and sharp. You have a plan for this word today. You brought this word forth. You spoke it into my heart. And I know now you're going to speak to the people of Bethlehem and all of those who are watching, wherever they are, about what's happening in their part of the world, in their city, in the territory where you've placed them. You will use this word to do good for your kingdom, and to bring hope to those who are in a desperate situation right now. In Jesus' name, I believe you. So understanding about the, the setting helps you to recognize Daniel's impassioned prayer for what it is. This is a passionate prayer. He's not playing games. I started off by reading this part where it says, I, Daniel, pray, fasting in burlap or uh, with sackcloth is the, the name, the, what they called it there in that time, and ashes. Does that sound, however, familiar to you that he's in a desperate situation with things messed up? 
Does it sound like anything that you would recognize, even for our world in this time? Now, I want you to understand something about Daniel, something else about Daniel. His faith was rather obvious. You might write that down if you're taking notes. Daniel's faith was rather obvious. When faced with the mock decree, Daniel refused to submit and so faced the lion's den. And you remember that miracle with Daniel in his life. So he, was, he wasn't a games-playing Christian. He wouldn't fit well in our world today of believers. We would call Daniel radical because he didn't follow the king's decree. You can just tuck that away somewhere in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. He was a man of faith and prayer, and he prayed three times a day. We know that it's recorded in the scriptures. He was also a man of integrity. He meant what he said, and he lived by it. Having said that, I can also say he was willing to die for it. What he believed, he was willing to die for. Again, that's why he faced the lion's den. Now, outward signs told Daniel that his prayer would be wasted. That might be an opportunity. I want to remind the few of you that are here today, you got to shout your amens. I was told that my uh, mother-in-law was going to be the loudest amen shouter today. Y'all got to show her what you're worth. Love you, Mom. You are awesome. Daniel had learned to trust God and despite these signs, he goes into a time of prayer and fasting. Despite what he was seeing with his eyes and hearing with his ears, how many of you are about sick and tired of a coronavirus report every time you turn on the news? It's about like nothing else is going on in our world and, and it'll soon change because the numbers are starting to go down and we're starting to transform. Thank God. I'm not saying that like I'm against what has been recommended and what we're doing and that sort of thing. Thank God for wisdom and leadership to do the right things to keep people safe and alive. But... but uh, this sounds a whole lot like we're what we're facing right now, what Daniel is facing. Everything he heard, everything he saw, made it feel like these prayers would be wasted. I wonder what made Daniel stand out. I don't have to wonder because it, we find it in the word when we read about Daniel. He was a man of the word. Hear me when I say that. Daniel was a man of the word. Don't believe me? Listen to verse 2 in the same chapter, chapter 9. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, now he's talking about the reign of this now king. I, Daniel, learned 
from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Are you listening to me still? He learned that it was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. So what that means, I don't know how he got the, the scroll. I don't know how he got the word from Jeremiah, but it plainly states he was reading the word of the Lord spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And he learned by reading that they were in a time that was actually appointed by God because of their actions. He knew beyond that. He knew the story of Abraham. Come on, somebody. He knew the story of Moses. He'd read about Job. Those were writings that were in existence. He knew these men. He knew them and he believed those stories. Stories, hear me when I say this, informed his faith. The word of God should inform your faith. When you read these, these are not just some make-believe hero that has been invented by our people in our time. Superman isn't your helper. Spider-Man, they're not the ones that are going to show up for you. Iron Man, keep naming them. Go on down. Black Panther, they're not going to show up and help you. That's not this kind of story. Abraham read about what God did in the lives of men of faith, and he understood that if he acted on that word, if he held it close to his heart, and it got into the depth of his spirit, he could make things happen. Because he, he was a man of the word, he understood and applied the prophecies. He didn't just read them for inspiration. Some of you are sitting and reading the word of God just for inspiration. Well, I'm glad you get inspired by the word, but I want it to do more than bring you just inspiration. You need to have interpretation and application. It's got to move beyond just making you feel better. God didn't just give us this so we could feel better. He gave us the word so we could operate in life and make an impact on the world around us. And if we'll operate in faith, we will. Let's talk about the nature of his prayer. I said it before, but Daniel prays with his heart in faith, not with what he sees. You clearly get the understanding that Daniel is serious about this prayer. He's fasting. He's using sackcloth and ashes. Some of that is going to be completely unfamiliar with you if I use the word burlap. That's what sackcloth was like, but that's way to describe it. It's a heavily weaved type of bag or in this case clothing that was made out of plants, which means it wasn't comfortable. It itched. It was it just scratched your skin. It wasn't a pleasant experience and that's why he put it on, so it would keep him focused. It's why we, when I encourage you all to fast, yes, you're going to be hungry. Yes, you're going to be miserable in some ways physically, but it's 
so that you get your attention on God and not on yourself. Ashes was used by those in mourning and so it was a, a statement that Daniel could make, a, a, an outward sign of what he was feeling and he understood inwardly. He begins, so I want you to recognize this by recognizing God's awesomeness and trustworthiness. He begins by recognizing God's awesomeness and his trustworthiness. Take, take note. It's what we do in worship. It's why we have worship, Daniel worship. And he recognized God in his greatness. Note that he takes a moment to recognize God's power. That's where he begins. He recognizes Almighty. You have the power, Lord. Hallelujah. And then he flows into that, he, that God keeps his covenants, right? You should be writing this down. The first thing Daniel does is he recognizes God's power. The second thing that Daniel does is he recognizes that God keeps his covenants. He does that. Daniel says that. You can go back in the prayer and this is what Daniel's doing. He's actually saying to God, what God doesn't need to hear, but wants you to say. God doesn't need to hear it because he knows that he keeps his covenants. But Daniel needs to state it so that it can inform his life, his faith, if you will. God keeps his covenants. The second thing, and finally, he recognizes God being full of loving kindness. God is full of loving kindness. When we pray, we should do the same thing. We should do the same thing. I, I will tell you again and again and again, I typically don't just launch out into prayer. I begin by worship. I begin by giving praise and recognizing God in his greatness. Reminding God of his covenants that's to your benefit. But you need to know the covenants so you can remind God of it. What's a covenant? It's a promise. The Bible's full of them. And you can recognize God in his tender mercy, his loving kindness, his wonderful character qualities of God. He then asked God for forgiveness. you know that Daniel began to confess on behalf of everyone? Listen to what he says in verse 5. I'll read it for you again. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. Do you notice the we in that? He asked to be forgiven for not listening to the prophets. He asked to be forgiven for not listening to the prophets, yet he was just reading from Jeremiah before he prayed. You still with me? Sound any familiar to you? Sound anything like what we're living in right now? 
goes on to plead for God's ear in verses 17 through 19. He literally begs God to listen to his prayer. Maria, would you pull that scripture up for me, 17? Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God. Listen to that passion prayer. Listen to it. We're reading it. You read it in the Word, and it sounds like, oh, he's just praying. No, he's being passionate in his prayer. This matters to Daniel, just like what you're going through matters to you. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. Somebody outside of Daniel's habitation and where he's praying can actually hear Daniel because he's not just whispering, Lord, we really need your help. No, he's crying out to God. Open our eye, your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea. Who's the we? There's nobody else with him. Crying out on their behalf. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Verse 19. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Not delay, oh my God, for your people and your city bear your name. Literally begs God to listen to his prayer. He is begging God to once again turn his attention to his people and Jerusalem. He's become Moses like in pleading with God on behalf of his people. My mic keeps cutting out. Do I need to pick up the other mic? Is it cutting out for you on the broadcast? I, I'm going I'm to pick up this mic and then get it. I don't know why that's happening, but I don't know. Continue. Bless the Lord. I want you to catch this, that he becomes Moses-like in his uh, pleading with God on behalf of his people. He's pleading with God on behalf of his people. Daniel is doing the same thing. Just like Moses. You remember when Moses did that and actually turned the hand of God. Changed the position of God, if you will, who was ready to smite him. Moses said, please, Lord, you can't do this. For your own namesake, Daniel's doing the same thing right here. Let us note the basis of his prayer. Verse 18 declares, we make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. The basis of his prayer is God's mercy. It's God's makeup. It's God's character. And Daniel is relying on that, and he's reminding God of his own character. Verse 19 declares, for your own sake, do not delay. 
for your own sake. In other words, God, this has been miserable long enough. I think you got your people's attention. I think it's time to turn things around. Is anybody listening to me now? The focus is not on Daniel or Daniel's ability, but on God, his greatness, and his tender mercy. That's the focus of Daniel's prayer. And Daniel reminds God that this is for his glory. And you know what the result is? The result is that God answered immediately and later fully. Let's read from verse 20 now. Same chapter. I love this. This this is so eye-opening. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people. Do you hear what Daniel just said? I went on praying and confessing my sin. He's not pointing the finger at everybody else. He knew he played a part in it. We don't know that Daniel ever did anything wrong. We don't know that. It's not told to us that Daniel did anything wrong. And yet, see how very human he is? And he makes the statement, and he's being inclusive. I know you're getting this. I know you're catching this right now. Pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, listen to this. Did you hear it? As I was praying, there should be in parentheses, unlike before, immediately it says, this is it. I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, you see it, came swiftly to me, unlike the last time. Came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. I wonder if Daniel had slayed that demon that stood in the way of the angel coming the first time. And so this time it's swift. Oh, y'all can debate on that in your heart and your mind, but let's go on and see what the Word says. It came to me swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. Explain to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God. Are you listening to me, saints? You're listening to me in the cybersphere out there? You are very precious to God. He hears you when you pray. Let me go on in the Word. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. So I read that that passage just to remind you that God came immediately, sent an answer immediately. Now, I don't know why Daniel gets angels. You know, most of us, when we pray, we're not getting an angel coming down to us. 
then we don't serve, most of us, the great significance that Daniel did in life and history, spiritually speaking. But he does. He gets, he gets Gabriel. I mean, come on. Wow. So he tells us that, that God answers immediately, but I told you fully in the future, we get that from Ezra, the book of Ezra, if you will. It tells the story of the restoration and total fulfillment of Daniel's prayer. That's where we get that. Between Nehemiah and Ezra, we get all of that fulfilled. Now I'm putting together the historical story for you. Let me bring this thing to a close today. Let's apply it to today. Let's apply it to right now. Let's apply it to our situation, our time. If Daniel could pray on behalf of his people, why not us? You're thinking, I don't bear the responsibility of the people around me. Did Daniel? Did Daniel? Yeah, I'm mean he did he took it on are we any different well I'm not a prophet of God do you have any comprehension of who God anticipates and expects you to be in the world that you're a part of that the light of Jesus Christ should be shining so brightly in you right now That note that I got from Lisa Soto, bless me, Lisa, you're probably listening right now. You said you would be, and so I anticipate you are. It blessed me, though, because she said, Pastor, you'd be so proud of your flock. We've got no end of groceries and cleaning supplies and just stuff dropped off at our door, people calling, sending notes, showing us love and care. You'd be so proud of and I am. Our light should be shining so brightly right now. And despite the rewriting of American history, clearly the Judeo-Christian mindset influenced the foundation of our nation. Clearly. Even if you are one of those people that somehow believes that we're not a Christian nation and we weren't founded on Christian principles. You listen, it influenced every decision made in our amazing history. It was influenced by the, the Word of God. All decisions. Regardless, though, of your belief in that. Couldn't we plead for God's ear on behalf of our nation? Couldn't we do that just like Daniel did? Couldn't we repent on behalf of our nation? I mean, the people that are operating in ignorance, many of them have no clue. They're just operating by what they know, what they've been taught, the system that they've grown up in. And we do bear some responsibility for it. Some responsibility. Is our wickedness beyond God's repair? Thank you. Two of you. Daniel prayed from his heart in faith. Hear those words. He prayed from his heart in faith. He did not pray with his eyes. 
Remember the outward signs were that it was useless. But he prayed in faith and you know how you know how he was able to pray in faith? Because he understood the word and the promises of the word and how that word applied to his life and situation and time. America needs you right now to get serious with God on America's behalf. I wonder if you could do it and pray with humility and with a heart for revival. Oh, I think we're positioned for the greatest end time, the greatest revival the world has ever known. I think we're positioned for that. What about the fact, preacher, that we're in the last days? You are correct in believing that. I've made that same statement. Yes, God said this would happen. But that does not excuse our spiritual lethargy or laziness. The fact that you know this is supposed to happen. Yeah, we've got some clear biblical signs that this was going to happen and that it is happening. Clearly, we are in the last, I'll say it again, we're in the last hours of the last days. Not just last days. And this is the time for the church to fight on behalf of humanity. Come on. Think about your power and your ability. I'm saying the church. You're the church. I think this is the greatest time for us to pray for an end times revival. Because we know the signs. Daniel read the book. He understood the signs and how it applied to his time. And he went into a time of fasting and prayer. Pleading with God on behalf of God's tender mercies, His loving kindness, and understanding that God keeps His covenants. They had all the power necessary to do what had to be done. Come on, stand to your feet with me, please. Those of you that are here right now, you could even do that in your home right now. Stand to your feet in acknowledgement that we're going to pray and we're going to pray on behalf of this nation. But before I do that, I'm going to plead with you to get in a right relationship with God. When I make the statement that we're in the last hours of the last days, we're in the last hours of the last days. You don't have time to think about this any longer. It's not the time to contemplate. Actually, it is the time to contemplate that your only hope is in Jesus Christ, that he gave his life. We just celebrated last weekend that he sacrificed his life. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He went to the cross out of his dear love for you, his compassionate love for you, his tender mercy for you. He gave his life. Now it's time to receive what that death and consequent resurrection can bring into your life.
You can have a resurrection of your soul. A redemption, if you will, of your life. He took your sin on himself and exchanged it for his righteousness to you. Gave you his righteousness. But you have to ask him into your heart. You have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. You have to ask him to come into your life right now. And I'm going to pray with you right now for that. When you pray this prayer, you, you say it right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, wherever you are watching this right now, listening to my voice. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I recognize I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. I give you my life. From this moment, I am yours. If you prayed that prayer, there's a place, I believe, right on your Facebook where you can respond. You can come in right there and you can respond and just say, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Give us, give us a word on that. And if God touched you when we prayed for specific things, write that. Tell us. Tell us that. Inform us that, of what God did on your behalf. We want to know that God saved you and you've given your heart to the Lord. Maybe you rededicated your life. Do that. And now I want to pray a prayer. Those of you that are in the sanctuary with me today, you pray along with me. Right there in your living room, bedroom, wherever you're listening now. Pray along with me. Believers, pray along with me. Father, we recognize you in your greatness. You are almighty God all-powerful. You are more than enough, the all-sufficient one. You lack nothing, God, and we recognize you in your greatness. El Shaddai, we recognize you as the one and only who can save us, who can deliver us. You are great and awesome, Lord Jesus. And I remind you, Lord, that you stated something in your word that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will turn from their wicked ways. We've done that, Lord Jesus. We've asked you to forgive us of our sins and, and to come into our hearts. We're believers. We're followers. We bear your name. We are called Christians, and we mean it, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our wrongs. Forgive us from walking away from the covenants we've made with you, Lord. You said in that word, Lord, that you would come and that you would heal our land. You would heal our land, our territory. And we plead with you on behalf of America and world around that God, you will stay this virus. Rip it from off of our land. Eradicate it, oh God. Give us of our sins, 
deliver us in this moment. And God, send revival. Send a Holy Ghost revival. Unlike anything we've ever seen or ever known before. Do that, Lord. We pray it in your powerful name. Say amen. Thank you for joining us today. It's been our pleasure to come with you with this word from God. I hope it brings hope to you, life and encouragement to you, whatever your situation, your story is. We do want to hear from you, so communicate with us. Communicate with us. We love you guys. We miss you. Our intent is to open our doors and have a service on um, Sunday, May the 3rd. That's our intent. Obviously, you'll have to stay in uh, connection with us, but that's our intent. We're going to do our best. We're going to have that happen, and some people are going to be here regardless, and we love you. We miss you. Look forward to the time when we can really get back together. In the meantime, be wise, be smart, do the things that you need to do to keep yourself healthy, and we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.